Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everyone. About a month ago, I joined Clubhouse, which is a platform for live conversations between people from all over the world. Since starting to use this app, I've joined several rooms highlighting mental health. I'm amazed by how open people are. I often get to hear people sharing their deepest thoughts and revealing the most extraordinary experiences. One of the people who moved me recently was today's guest, Sarah. She's a disability advocate and talks openly about her life with cerebral palsy. As Women of My Generation is a platform for honest conversations about body image and mental health, I thought she would be the perfect guest. Today, you get to hear her talk about emotional intelligence, her physiotherapy to help her walk short distances, and how her amazing service dog helps her get through her everyday life. She also talks about the prejudices she faces as a woman in a wheelchair, but how she wants to educate people in order to challenge ableism. It's an eye-opening conversation that brought a lot of insights to me personally. If you enjoyed as much as I did, please hit subscribe and share our conversations with a friend. The music you're about to hear is by the wonderful Tilda Alley. My name is Fanny Beckman and this is Women in My Generation. Hello, Sarah. How are you today? Good, how are you? I'm very well as well. I'm super excited to speak to you because um, obviously I heard you speak a couple of weeks ago on Clubhouse for the first time and I was very touched emotionally by how honest you were and how open you were about your own experience and your own life. So we're going to speak a bit more about that particular topic later on. But... First, I just want to, you know, start in the beginning because as a child, you were diagnosed with cerebral palsy. Mm -hmm. And for anyone who's not familiar with this condition, could you just explain what it is and how that affects your life? Yeah, so um, the way I describe cerebral palsy, it's um, a neurological condition that I was essentially born with. I sustained a brain injury at birth. So basically, my brain had a lot of a lack of oxygen, um, 
either before, uh, during pregnancy or shortly after, um, after birth. I was born and immediately um, rushed to a different hospital, but in the process, they were trying to transfer me to a medical incubator. Um, and in that process, um, I lost oxygen three times. And so, you know, there isn't a lot of research around what exactly causes um, the cerebral palsy, but what exactly specifically causes the brain injury and what happened there. But what the cerebral palsy did um, for sure was it caused brain damage to certain parts of my brain that control movement, coordination, dexterity, and most, uh, mostly my ability to walk effectively. I mainly use a wheelchair um, to get around. Um, I can walk with canes for various distances, um, but find it's mentally and physically um, fatiguing quite quickly if I were to walk, say, down a block or, or even um, down my hallway in my apartment. Not to say I can't do it, but it's just, like I said, mentally and physically draining due to the brain damage. Um, my brain just doesn't uh, process uh, movement and coordination as smoothly. So it takes me a lot of energy to put all that together. Um, that's not to say I've learned um, coping strategies. Um, and I went through lots and lots of physical therapy and occupational therapy. And, and I'm doing multiple um, different holistic methods of uh, physical therapy currently, and which I can definitely speak about, all to try to just maintain what I have. I'm not so much concerned about, you know, being able to walk perfectly, put one foot in front of the other, but at least to keep my strength up to, um, to whatever degree I choose so that I can be able to, um, you know, transfer in and out of my chair, you know, go up a couple of steps if I need to, or even a flight of stairs because I can, all with assistance at this point, um, or at least having someone nearby to make sure I don't feel unstable. I think that's super interesting because I think that's a misconception that it's, it might be something wrong with, like, if you struggle to walk, that there might be something wrong with your legs. Mm -hmm. But it's really interesting what you say, that it's actually your brain because it makes complete sense. Mm -hmm. But in today's society, we, we a lot of us, um, myself included, are not always aware of how how the body works in general so thank you for sharing that insight as well not just to you know how you feel about it yourself but also what is actually going on in your body mm -hmm. and you do this quite a lot like you describe yourself as a disability advocate mm -hmm. and um, what kind of uh, norms do you want to challenge or change with this work that you do yeah um it's kind of a new uh title that i've given myself um but, um, you know, my life, I, I've always been uh, passionate about, you know, raising awareness, but also not being that person that looks different. So there's, there's a fine line between me being able to, you know, move freely and, and go to the places I want to go to without 
the constant stares or the pats on the head or the, you know, oh, I'm so sorry. Um, and, you know, in a way, unsolicited um, ideas and opinions. And that's not to say that I'm, that I don't welcome them. But, you know, when I'm just trying to go to the store or just, you know, even take my dog for a walk, I, you, you can sort of see it. You, you see the little hesitation. Um, so that's what I'm trying to change. Just, um, and I can't quite figure it out, honestly. Like, I don't understand sometimes um, what it is that people are thinking. And I think me being aware and conscious of, of these preconceived ideas way before they even begin Mm. is um, part of what I'm trying to do. Because if I can put the message out there that say, I know you think I'm stupid, or I know you think that I can't do, um, you know, normal things. I know you think I'm, you know, incapable. You know, um, then maybe people will go, yeah, you know, you're right. And that's okay. It's not a... it's not to be ashamed of um it's just that's what society believes of people with disabilities and you know it's it's a really hard truth for a lot of people myself included to understand but i'm i'm a person that wants to be open about it so that other people feel less less shy um and less uh you know nervous around me as a person with a disability so that's what I've been trying to do um and I I can speak about um the Instagram series that I've been running for over three years now mainly it's uh, about my service dog and I that's Mm -hmm. how it started but it's really in um evolved into you know that advocacy portion yeah. that I've been wanting to share about so there's yeah. going to be that shift slowly but surely yeah like even just a couple of days ago I saw this post that you wrote that you actually want or encourage people to come up to you and talk to you about it because um, again you said that you don't always know what why these norms are there because people don't actually talk to you or explain what you know that they might not have the knowledge that they should have and stuff like that mm-hmm. and you know we all know like fear or being non-educated often leads to toxic prejudice so you're doing a really important job there to actually talk about your own experience um, and you know be vocal on your Instagram as well Mm-hmm. But you mentioned your service dog, which is obviously a very important part of your life. Do you want to explain what kind of role he has in your life? Sure. Um, his name is Edison. You can head over to my Instagram yeah. at Edison underscore 365 <laughs> underscore SD. And, um, you know, I'm sure you you can link it in the episode. I'll, so Yeah, I'll put it in the show notes for sure yeah. so everyone can check him out. Yeah, so um, we've been together for um, almost five years now. And um, he's from an organization in central Massachusetts, mm-hmm. uh, NEADS, N-E-A-D-S. Um, and, uh, yeah, so we've been together for five years. And it's, it's incredible the change that he's helped 
in me. I share the story of the moment that we got matched and then and then going through a two-week training to learn how to train together. And then as soon as we got home of about three days later, we went into New York City. Mm-hmm. And there was a moment where in the middle of Grand Central Terminal, my pen dropped. Yeah. And I, I panicked. I didn't know what to do. And I realized, oh, yeah, Edison's right next to me. And he picked it up, and we were on our way in 30 seconds. So, um, you know, that feeling, that sheer panic of, you know, am I being judged? Are people looking at me? Um, What's wrong with me? Why should I not, why should I be, why am I not able to pick up that pen? Mm -hmm. And then realizing that Edison was there to kind of mitigate that situation and kind of, fix it temporarily I'm not saying that you know the fear is still not there Mm -hmm. um but you know it was incredible that feeling of just oh yeah he's right there I mean literally I looked down to the pen and on the way down to look at the pen he's just looking at me like waiting and it's like time stopped and he was looking at me and I was looking at him and I went oh yeah we got this <laughs> you know and he picked up the pen and we were on our way and that's the way it's been ever since so it's incredible um, yeah so he knows um a lot of commands uh, i would say about 50 to 60 uh commands between basic obedience and com- actual commands and tasks that help with my physical disability so um mm-hmm. between from Picking up dropped items. He only barks on command um, when I need help. He can fetch my water bottle if I oh. if I need it. And he just is constantly learning how to support me. Um, he's almost seven years old now. You know, we've been together for quite a while now. And, uh, yeah. That's amazing. Um, it, also, I can imagine, because it was just a huge help, just, like, practically... But also what you described here, that's how much he means to you mentally, for your mental health and emotionally. You said a couple of times that you um, used to be ashamed of not being able to pick up that pen, for example. So that must be a huge relief for your mental state as well, to have that companion always. Yeah, and I will say that um, before I got him, and, and right at that moment, I was about to just leave that pen on the floor. You know, because pens are not expensive. They, I could get another one. But I was determined to pick it up because I was like, something is different. I hadn't even known, I hadn't even recognized and thought about that he was right there. But I was about to just leave that pen. I was, I don't need it. And then I was like, well, of course I need it. <laughs> and then I looked at um, Edison and um, he picked it up and it was like, he didn't know what I had gone through. He was just there because he wanted to help me. So, yeah, yeah. yeah it was quite, quite an amazing moment. Yeah, but... And that was only three days into our partnership, so... Wow. But I I wanted to ask you this as well, because um, obviously you said now that you felt a bit ashamed uh, of um, this condition previously. When did you kind of decide to stop being ashamed and more talk talk openly about it how did that happen i think i've gone through a lot of different phases 
when I was a child, it was I had to kind of go through it. So I was so focused on just getting through it. I, I will say that um, the shift ha- it has happened quite recently, mm-hmm. and I and I credit it to Clubhouse actually. I've never been as open as I have on Clubhouse about my my challenges. So that's quite recent. <laughs> but I think that's not to say that my thoughts have been formulating and. You know, there, there, there is just a moment in time right now where you you can sit and um, feel sorry for yourself, which I'm not gonna lie, I many times that's how I feel mm. still. So there can be a, a semi shift at some point, you know, where you're not completely um, accepting, but you're you're heading towards that direction. So that's what I would say, and I. And I aim to be as honest as I can about that because I'm not going to say that I'm that I'm completely, you know, acknowledging of my disability. I accept it. You know, it, it kind of goes minute by minute, and that's okay. You know, one moment I could feel great, and the next moment, that good moment could bring me into a not so good moment. Yeah. So it just kind of it fluctuates very, very, very frequently, and it's about learning to acknowledge those feelings and not let them completely shatter and some moments uh, that's what I have to mm-hmm. so you just have to um, recognize it and and learn how to just kind of go with the flow then again that's easier said than done yeah. sometimes um, yeah definitely. ride the wave you know that kind of thing yeah so. it's so so important what you're saying that the importance of recognizing your struggles as well because otherwise you can't really do anything about it or you just go down this like visual cycle and you can't really get up because it just gets worse and worse and that's true in any types of mental health um, condition I feel like as well if you struggle with something else in life then you will be very negative around everything Um, but this also leads me in quite nicely to uh, the topic that I want to talk to you about, which is emotional intelligence, because mm-hmm. that was the first time I heard you talk about um, your own emotional intelligence and how you learned to be more aware of that was at Clubhouse, as we mm-hmm. mentioned a couple of times now. Again, I'm very new to this platform, but I'm amazed how, you know, about how open people are. And in this particular room, it was uh, Simona, who's actually a friend of mine, Uh, that I know here in London and uh, she was in this podcast as well but she had this room and it just blew up and it was so many people who shared their own stories and for people who listen to this who were unfortunate not to join could you just share your your um well how you kind of interpret uh, emotional intelligence and your story about it as well yeah cool um I didn't even realize that she uh, is like a friend of yours or that you live close by. That's really yeah, cool. Yeah, we do. Yeah. yeah that's cool. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I really appreciate topics like that because, you know, it taps into something that I think about. Those topics, and I don't even realize it. Like when I came across the room, I go, yeah, I think so. That's right. <laughs> you know, so... um. And I actually forget what I shared specifically. I think my words change by the minute, but the general preface of the message is the same. 
and that is what I went through as a child, um, and I, I'm happy to talk about that as well. What I went through as a child, you know, put me in a situation where I pretty much uh, emotionally had to kind of fend for myself. I had to just go through it, and and I'll be honest, a lot of people didn't really even see that I that that is how I had to deal with it. You can't you can't see that you can't see um, struggles. You have to put them out there and um, you know ask for support, right? Yeah. So if um, so, that was part of my struggle as a child. What I went through, I didn't know how to ask for support. I mean, as a child, y- you just don't know. You um, so. Um, even if I could have, I didn't know how I I just, um, but on the flip side, I knew, I guess at this point, I knew how to help myself through. I didn't say anything particular. I didn't, you know, and, and that's not to say that my inner world was quite dark at times, but the, the end result of what I went through I, I could I could remember, you know, each step along the way, there were people that were trying their hardest to to you know get me to the finish line. My my family and I use this all the time. When I would need some motivation, they'd be like, "Okay, do you want M and M's? You know, mm. smile for M and M's, or mm. come over here for M and M's." And as a child, that was like, okay, yeah, sure. Yeah. So, um, you know, that kept me going, those M&Ms, because I loved mm-hmm. M&Ms. <laughs> um, you know, but there came a point, I think, uh, in my later life, um, and, I, and I recognized the shift when it happened. M&Ms didn't cut it anymore. No. You know, it, that, that didn't keep me happy. And then there was a shift that had to happen. I kind of went into survival mode where, you know, if I can't depend on M&Ms anymore, then what can I depend on? And how am I going to get through this? And the only option was to just get through. I mean, that's what that's what mental illness is, right? Mm -hmm. If you can't get through, then you're then you just go the complete opposite way and you say, Mm -hmm. I give up. I'm done. I give up. And. There was a part of me, of course, um, even looking back, like, you know, I knew I didn't want to give up, but looking back, I don't even know how I got through it. You know, I, I, I never wanted to give up, but in a way, you know, if you talk about the individual therapy sessions, it's like after an eight hour school day, getting in the car to go to physical therapy for an hour and sometimes it was you know 30 to 40 minutes away that's mm-hmm. a long day that I'm yeah, yeah. you know in school focusing and then having to go to physical therapy so I I, I can't really give a golden uh, strategy that I that I used to get through mm-hmm. but I think you just um, like I said it's it's survival mode how old were you then what when when you went in that survival mode where you kind of realized that you had to do something. I, I, my recollection of it was five years old. Uh, at, at a very, 
at a very um, minute, uh, minuscule level, at a very low level, but that intensity really increased. And even at five, I mean, I say it was at a low level because I was a child, but it was in no way like um, not significant. So yeah, I just, okay, here we go. But I think that my, my family and friends, you know, they wouldn't have ever known that I, that that was what I was going through. As a very, very young child, I was just happy, even at five years old, smiling, happy. Mm. And that's not to say I was truly happy. Um, as a child, you don't really know what you're going through. You just kind of go through it thinking, okay, I'll go along with it because that's what's best for me. Or I, I don't even know if I had the words to formulate that in my head. I just kind of went through it because, yeah. you know... I'm a Do child. you want to share what happened to you then? Yeah, I don't think there was a, a, a specific thing that happened. Um, hmm. I don't think that there was a specific trauma. Um, I think, you know, the, the, the brain definitely holds trauma. So hmm. I don't know whether um, this is uh, part of what I sustained at birth. I haven't really thought of it that way. Hmm. Or just a result of what I went through just the intensity of the therapy sessions and trying so hard to make connections with the physical therapists on a on a deeper level of look you know I'm fine I'll I'll do this therapy and I was totally um you know I I showed up to every single physical therapy session and tried my hardest but it goes back to this misconception of it's not about how to bend my knee or how to lift my leg or you know how to put my socks on it goes really down to the person and I think that that is what what each person that I with exceptions I have some great therapists that I um that I had when I was younger and I'm actually in touch with um one currently um, who is very close to me, we're now friends, but, you know, there are specific therapists that I look back on that just didn't take the time to connect. Um, okay. They were focused on, this is how, you know, you are to move, and this is what's going to make you feel better, mm-hmm. and I don't think that there was any negative uh, aspect to, okay, let's just slow down. You know, I'm a five, six-year-old at that time and I'm probably not gonna walk or mm-hmm. or you know whatever whatever the result was um, and it just so happens at five or six year old I was learning how to walk mm-hmm. so I don't know maybe that was too early or uh, it just things didn't align and as I got older I, I continued to learn how to walk um, independently but never to the point where I was, you know, functionally walking down a sidewalk, you know, independently with nothing. So, you know, it, it, it's just um, parents try to do their best. And my mom or dad might be listening to this when it comes out. So I'm trying not to say anything bad. But um, 
um, you know, but but it is what it is, and um, I'm very open with my experiences, and they know at this point, you know, they're very uh, they're very transparent in that. Yeah, say it. You didn't like us. <laughs> oh, you know? that's so good. Um, and and I still have a really hard time saying it because I I love them. They're my parents, and they tried. Uh, their best and continue to try their best and help me the best they can so you know it's just every person that came into my life contributed to helping me yet there was this common goal of like let's fix this let's 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 get you better um and that's such a positive thing right but it can change um it can change in an instant, depending on the tone, depending on the frequency of uh, visits. And I'll say, you know, all the therapy that we did was completely um, out of our own pocket. Insurance, given my diagnosis, um, was and still continues to be a struggle. Um, because if you walk, if you stand, they don't cover really? barely anything. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's shocking. You need to be um, poor and on Medicaid and Social Security in order to get anything. You know, and um, yeah, I mean, I'll just say this. uh, The wheelchair that I'm currently sitting in is a highly customized uh, wheelchair. Um, Not as highly customized as they can get. And insurance didn't cover it. Because I can, because I can stand and I can walk, and um, on paper, you know, that diagnosis of, um, you know, whatever my official diagnosis is, because mm. there are different types of cerebral palsy, is not enough. I'm not a spastic quadriplegic um, where all my limbs are affected and I can't feed myself. That's that's the person who's considered, you know, incapable. They can't walk. They can't feed themselves. Absolutely, you know, that wheelchair will get covered. So shocked right now. It's, wow, that's so bad. Wow. Yeah. Um, That's sinking a bit. It's like my political reign is like, how can that even be possible? Surely they must have money to fund your wheelchair. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the process of getting a new one. My, this wheelchair I've had for 11 years. Oh, okay. And we're, we're getting ready because um, it's going to be expensive. It'll be probably six or $7,000. Oh, my God. Um, you know, and that's what it is. Um, and I'm very excited because I'm like, I'm ready to get a new wheelchair. Oh, I love that you're so positive about it because that's one of the things that you could easily get quite angry or frustrated yeah. about. Nah, if I need it, I'm gonna I'm gonna go get it. And I've been talking about this actually for for quite a while, mm-hmm. for many many years. And um, you know the the process to to get a new wheelchair is hard as it is. So I made it very clear: if it makes any difference, I'm not going through insurance because it could take up to six months to a year or more. Oh wow. And for kids who are, are younger, that six months to a year um, provides a lot of room for changes, mm-hmm. you know, positionally or 
you know, they may need different features on the chair. So imagine, you know, you've got it all ordered. You're like, okay, it's coming. And then two years later, the child grows. You know, they can't sit up by themselves. They, mm -hmm. you know, something dramatic has changed, whatever that might be, and the chair no longer fits. It still arrives and it's right there and the child cannot use it. So, you know, the, I, I don't take for granted that I have the luxury of, you know, just saying I'm going to be paying for this. Yeah. And I don't take for granted that I don't, that I have the luxury that I don't change. You know, I'm 31. You stop yeah. kind of changing when you're a teenager. So I, I'm very lucky that this wheelchair has lasted me so many years and could probably yeah. last me another 10 years easily. Oh, wow. Um, because I'm not, you know, if I don't gain weight or I don't change dramatically, yeah, I'm not going to get any taller. Mm. You know, so, but it's a choice that I'm making um, to improve my quality of life. Yeah. Because, you know, I wake up to it every day and I use it every day and um, I need to be comfortable. So there Yeah, you of course. Yeah, that's very important. I, yeah. I'm glad you're in that position as well, that you right. can can buy a new one. Because like you said, not everyone can do that. So you definitely, right. yeah, you're in that position. So right. treat yourself, you definitely deserve yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, Women of My Generation is a lot about body image. Uh, and obviously we talked about how it is, and, you know, getting comfortable with yourself and getting more confident as well. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I'm just curious to ask again, how has your body image been like growing up and how is it now? For you um you know I had a, a a difficult time but like I said I I just kind of in a way I accepted it and I have a hard time distinct distinguishing between not really acknowledging does that mean I'm accepting it and what I'm realizing is no um you can push things away and not acknowledge but that doesn't mean that you've accepted. In fact, I'm really going through a lot because I realized that isn't the case. That just because I've pushed it all down, it's right there, you know. Mm -hmm. So um, I one of the things that um, I still struggle with and have been thinking about changing and fixing, uh, I have a lot of scars um, from all the surgeries that I had. I had about five or six major surgeries I can't think um if the number is exactly correct but so you know I have scars on both my legs front and back mm. and um particularly in the summertime you know you wear shorts um I've mm. never been the one uh, a person to wear shorts um you know I I don't think I it was a conscious thing I just think that you know, when I when I look, it reminds me of what I've been through. Mm. And to be specifically, I, I know what each scar represents, what surgery, and it just you know I've actually never thought of it this way, but they're they're permanent, you know. And I've been I I, I went to a doctor at one point um, and asked about getting them revised and and even the doctor said 
um, if you're not like super uh, self-conscious of them, I'm, he said, I know you are, but you know, it's, it's, it's a surgery to redo what is already done. Yeah. So, you know, that's, that's one thing. And I noticed too that being in my wheelchair kind of puts a blanket over what, how I, how I, how I look, you know, my knee turns inward or, um, you know, my knees bend quite a bit. One of the things that, um, I've been thinking about a lot is I, um, in, in the physical therapy that I do, do work with, um, it's more holistic and I can speak about that later if you'd like. Yeah, of course. But, um, you know, I, I decided I have a, a walker that I use and I was going to transport it, um, to my parents' house cause we were going away for the 4th of July and mm-hmm. I decided I'm just going to walk out of the building. And then ended up sending that video to my um, to my practitioner, um, physical therapist, and yeah. he said, "Wow, that's incredible! You know, mm-hmm. you're walking so great. You're, you know, moving so well." And I said, "But what about my left foot turning in? And what about?" I, I said, mm, "Not quite." And um, you know, we didn't go into specifics, but. I'm the one that looks at that and wants to fix that. And I know I couldn't look at it much, much more because I just, you know, come, it's, it, that's me. And the more I looked at it, the more I, I was like, okay, 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 I, I just can't look at this. Mm-hmm. Because it just, the moment was great. I, I sent the video off to my physical therapist because I, felt like it was beneficial for him to see and and I was proud of it yeah but when you look at the little discrepancies uh, that's when it's really hard it's just a classic one like when I hear the story I'm just like amazed but you know that's an achievement for you and I'm glad you said in the end that you are proud of yourself for that because you should be but then again we all have that critical brain towards ourselves that no one else sees that you need to see the great things that you did just did yeah and i've talked to other guests in this podcast about this as well like we are so hard on ourselves like we would never speak that way to other people uh, mm-hmm. hopefully not right <laughs> but we're just so so hard on ourselves um, right but can you like obviously we talked a bit about that like it all depends on where you are in your mind mm-hmm. in general uh, mm-hmm. if you struggle with other things in life but like on a, on today, for example, can you see the great things in that, like your achievement and being able to walk that, those times when you can do or when you feel all right doing so? Or do you still just criticize yourself for not being good enough? Yeah, I think um, I'm a very literal thinker. Mm-hmm. So, you know, looking at the photos and the videos, definitely just it's right there. On a daily basis, I still find myself going back and forth, um, like I said, by the moment. Mm. But but I do have moments of, yeah, I got this. You know, it really depends on what I'm doing. If I'm just sitting alone, not really doing anything, and then I have to, you know, if I, I'm hungry, I want to get a meal, or, you know, I want I need to do something... It's very hard because I'm alone and there's these all these external factors. But the moment after I booked uh, a vacation for next month, 
I was feeling good. I'm like, I made the decision, <laughs> you know, so it really depends on, and I'm, st- and I, and I'm, was in the same physical location. Mm-hmm. So it really depends on, you know, for me, the external, um, gratification of what I'm doing, what I'm purchasing, looking ahead. I'm, I'm pur- I purchased, you know, airline and hotel tickets for three weeks ahead. So of course I'm going to, you know, get to that and I'm going to, yeah. and I'm going to go there and have a great time. But it's, it's harder to think of that now versus the moment I literally booked the yeah. reservations. Mm. So I think it's balance of remembering, okay, I'm not just booking these tickets for three weeks in advance, mm. but like I do have something to look forward to. Yeah, booking yeah, yeah. the tickets isn't the end of what I'm going to do. No. You know, of course, you know, there was um, the time it took and, you know, figuring out do I need to spend this money or, you know, mm-hmm. so there's a lot of different pieces of it, but not forgetting that I booked those tickets because it's something I wanted mm-hmm. and not losing sight of, um, in three weeks, not, not only did I book those tickets, but I'm actually going to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where are you going? Uh, Houston, Texas. It's a disability conference in seven states around the U.S. Um, just for a weekend. Oh, amazing! And so mm. this one uh, is in August, the first weekend in August, and it's for three days. And there are different vendors, different uh, accessible items. Uh, my wheelchair vendor company will be there. Um, and it's just an opportunity to like actually talk to these people about whatever you whatever you need. There is a, a division of um, the company that my wheelchair is made by. They actually have a, a repair shop that they set up um, as part of their booth, and you can go and get you know bolts and screws fixed, and even a new set of actual um, wheels. Um, uh, you know, so wow. there are things like that where you, you don't really get the chance to actually, you know, um, get the repairs that you need and talk to the people that you um, need to talk to about, you know, personal things, you know, about, you know, your wheelchair's not mm-hmm. fitting you well or um, looking into a new wheelchair or can you advise me on a, a you know, accessible vehicle and they're right there. And they're really, really uh, amazing community uh, there. So I try to get to um, a lot of them. And this one, I just decided I just got to go, you know, after being cooped up with COVID and, you know, people, more and more people are getting vaccinated and traveling is actually quite easy. Yeah. I was like, let's go, you know, so that's where I'll be. <laughs> Sounds yeah. like an amazing opportunity. I yeah. bet you're excited about that. <laughs> But I always end up by asking my guest if this, if you have like any last advice to gain more confidence and to, well, to take up more space in the world we live in. Yeah, I I would say just don't be afraid to speak up about about what you're thinking about what you're feeling, even if you feel uh, it would be borderline uh, offensive. <laughs> 
Um, because I think, and not to say that talking like this is offensive in any way, but I think um, talking honestly um, can be hurtful to some people if if you're not in the place to, uh, you know, fully understand what you're saying. Like, if people were to come up to me, um, and I've gotten much better with this, but, you know, just the offhanded comments of, if you just believe in God, then that will get you through. Personally, I'm not super religious, so mm -hmm. to say that that is offensive is hard in the moment, but it, it is. It's, it's um, yeah. you know, you just have to be careful. And I would never say that. Yeah. Let's be honest. I would never say that directly to a person. I give the example of um, being in an Uber you know, it's it's kind of a it's a vulnerable space to say, look, yeah. I that's not that's not called for at this moment. Could could potentially even put me in a in a more vulnerable space than I'm already in. So it's a it's a mm -hmm. fine line. But you know, I say this nicely. Just you know, think about the situation, the context. If I'm taking an Uber, I'm taking an Uber to get a ride. Um, I'm not taking yeah. an Uber to make a connection. And that's not to say I'm not a friendly customer. I, I'll be as friendly as I as I uh, think I want to be. Um, but at the end of the day, it, it's just mm. a ride. And as a person with a disability, I, I want to have that, that freedom and that just take the ride and not have all that extra, yeah. you know, baggage put on me of, you know, what's your disability, you know, what religion are you? Do you live mm -hmm. alone? Do you live, you know, with yeah, family? Yeah. Mm. So it's just think about, and it's a lot to think about when you see a person mm. with a disability. I'm sure that people think so many things, and what comes out maybe isn't isn't intended. But mm. that's just kind of what I'm trying to kind of craft. Yeah, definitely. You have every right. If someone says anything offensive to you, you have every right to speak up and, you know, maybe explain how you think about that. Obviously, you, I, I notice you're quite diplomatic and you, you seem, you know, very nice yeah. and you want to be perceived very nicely as well. But also you have the right to put your foot down if someone says yeah. something offensive for you. So I totally agree with that. That That's yeah. a very important thing um, to bear in mind and also say no to things as well um if you don't want to get involved in certain conversations yeah. or activities as well yeah definitely That's very bad yeah <laughs> well i think I've, I've learned so much during our conversations i'm so so happy that you want to talk to me about your experience of course thank you so much
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.